thinking about in terms of uh, over over the years, thinking about what it means to to grow spiritually and how to be transformed into the image and conform to the image of Jesus. And I want us to talk about that a little bit more tonight. First, let's pray, and then we'll jump into this passage, Galatians chapter five, verses sixteen through twenty-six. Father, I think that there are so many of us here tonight that that really struggle sometimes uh, deeply and profoundly with the dark side of our personalities and the, the, the sinful acts of the flesh. And we become discouraged because we do not sense that there is any power from Your heaven that comes into our life, flooding into our life as a help and as a life preserver at times, Father, to help us to overcome these besetting sins. And so what we're asking, Father, for is, is to have our, our minds clearly focused on the teaching of Your Word as it comes to the way that You develop spiritual maturity in our life so that we really do change and overcome our immaturities and uh, our weaknesses, our faults, and our failings as human beings by Your power and by Your teaching and through fellowship, through Your Word, Father. We, we pray that we continue to overcome it so that we become more and more beautiful and more and more glorious in the way that we exhibit Your great and precious presence in our life as a treasure that is beyond treasure and a, a, a pearl that is indescribable in its beauty. Help us, Father, please, to, to grow more into the image of Jesus in the way that we speak, the way that we see, where we place our affections. We, we pray, Father, to, 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 to live rightly in a way that, that, that illustrates and, and demonstrates the greatness of Your grace that has come into our life and saved us. Thank You so much for this, this beautiful treasure. We pray to be more prolific in, in the way that we share it, more excited and enthusiastic when we talk about the, the gospel as the most important fact in our life. And it's our prayer, Father, that tonight you'll give us eyes that see and ears that hear so that we turn and face you squarely and clearly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Galatians 5 passage, as you've already seen in, in what Stephen read to us just now, is the fruit of the Spirit passage, and it is a great passage on change. Paul is writing to a church that is in dire straits, primarily in its relationships and its understanding of the gospel. And what they are needing is to have their mind righted when it comes to understanding what the gospel is all about, and to have their, their lives transformed in light of what it means to live as a Christian in fellowship not just with other Christians, but also as they live in the world at large. And what he's talking about is the kind of lasting, radical, godly change that comes into a human being's life when they become a disciple of Jesus. It is the same kind of inner core change that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 5. After he has, has described the greatness of the blessing in chapter 1 of Ephesians, that the things that God has done, the things that Christ has done, the, the blessing of the Spirit in our life, and talks about how the cross has come into our life and has knocked down all of the walls of enmity between human beings so that even though we're different and we, we come from different backgrounds and even our, our heritages and our at ethnic 
thinking and, and, and learning and socioeconomic backgrounds are different. In Christ, because of the gospel, because of the cross, we can all come together. But that's not an easy thing. And in chapters 4 and chapter 5 of uh, his letter to the Ephesians, he writes about what it means to, to live as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there are a couple of things that we want to consider in Galatians 5 in connection to all of the other things that Paul writes about when it comes to organic spirituality, organic in the sense of how we grow. And what we'll see, I think, in this passage is three things. We'll see a nature, we'll see a pattern, and we'll see a process to it. There is a nature to the kind of change that a believer goes through. There is a pattern to that change, and there is a process. Now, what we want to do for the rest of the time is just to understand that change we go through spiritually as a disciple. The first thing we want to consider is the nature of the spiritual change that we will begin to experience when we become disciples. And when you think about the word or the phrase, Fruit of the Spirit, there are some things implied. Actually, several things implied when you think of fruit. The first is, the change is going to be gradual. When you think of fruit of the Spirit, one of the first changes is that, that we experience is the, the gradual change as these fruit are developed in our lives. For me, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you ask the crazy questions that I do, but I ask crazy questions about the text all the time. I wonder why in the world Paul uses the word fruit when there are so many other words that he could have used. He could have talked about the traits of the Spirit, the characteristics of the Spirit, the signs of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Well, you get the idea. But he doesn't do that. He talks about the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. And he uses the word fruit as a metaphor to draw a connection between spiritual growth and botanical growth. There is some similarities to draw a connection between what we experience as disciples, spiritual growth, and what plants go through in botanical growth. Now notice this is not the only place in the Bible where it's talked like this. Psalm 1, verse 3. He is like the man who is wise, the man who is, is, is pressing his mind into the Word of God. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, whatever he does prospers. You drop down to, uh, over into the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable what? Seed. A seed has been planted inside of you. Not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. There is in the Bible and other verses a lot of emphasis on this kind of botanical growth that illustrates kind of the way that we as human beings, as disciples of Jesus, grow into the likeness of Christ. Now the reason for this is that Christian change or Christian growth is gradual. For the most part, it's gradual like the growth of a potato, the growth of an onion, the growth of a fern. Botanical growth is not something that you, you readily see happen or take place right there before your eyes. Uh, you know, the same kind of thing happens with our children. Ellen is in the kitchen, and I would say to her, you know, I think Jordan has grown quite a bit. And she would say, I think you're right. He's taller than you now. And I would say, well, if you're talking about physical growth, He's taller than me right now, you know. But he has gotten bigger and he's gotten taller than me, but I never really saw it. Just one day, I noticed it. And there is a reason for this metaphor being used by Paul as it pertains to spiritual growth. It's because you have to be patient. 
You have to be patient with the development of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in your life. It's gradual. So be patient. And a lot of the change we experience is over a period of time, a period of growth. So we have to be patient because it is coming. It does come. And you may not know it until the test. You may not know it until some kind of a test. You ask a 16-year-old boy if he is faster today on, you know, say, June 26, 2011, than he was one year ago. And most of the time he'll say no, unless he has been timing himself and working out. And when you put him on that track for a test and you blow that whistle or shoot that gun, that pistol, then all of a sudden he sees that he has gotten a little faster. It's a gradual change. So be patient. The love will come. The self-control will come. The patience, the kindness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, it will all come. But not only that, not only is the change gradual, but the, gra- the, the change is inevitable. If you have truly the Spirit of God in you, you are going to change. If the Spirit of God is residing in you because you are a child of God, then you are going to change. You will change. You will become more patient, more loving, more faithful. And not only will you, but you must. Uh, One of the old uh, English great commentators of the 19th century a uh, fellow by the G. Campbell Morgan, he tells the story of an acorn that got caught under a marble slab in a cemetery. And after a long time, the acorn had grown into a shoot and the shoot into a sapling and the sapling into a tree that had gotten to the size that it was able to split that slab of marble. And when you think about that, wow. If you put a huge slab of marble down on the ground, say two tons of marble, and next to it you put an acorn and you ask, Who wins? The answer is easy, right? Hands down, the acorn wins. If all things botanical, if everything botanical possesses that kind of power in its gradual growth, then what kind of power would the Spirit of God have in your life? And if you are not experiencing some kind of spiritual growth in your life, then then you have to ask yourself, I think, some very hard questions. Why are you not, after all of these years, able to keep your mouth shut when it comes to gossip? Is it a lack of love that's been muted and stunted? Or why are there still anger problems in your life? Is it because there's a lack of gentleness that has somehow uh, been stunted in its growth and, and, and thwarted in its blossoming out in your life? Or why is there this, this secret sin, sin that still year after year, year after year, is taking place in the dark parts of your life, just year after year after year, is it because of a lack of self-control that has not been given the opportunity to grow because you have not fertilized that seed? Listen, I'm not saying that you are not a Christian, that you are not saved. What I am saying is that you have to set the standards of your discipleship higher than where they are. For most of us, we set the standards of our discipleship and the way that we live ethically as Christians in this world way too low. 
The growth that we experience is gradual and it is inevitable, but it does come and it must come. And then thirdly, the change is gradual, inevitable, and internal. Gradual, inevitable, and internal. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Is it academics? Is it, the, is it intelligence, or is it managing, or is it counseling, or is it some kind of charisma? You know, there's a lot of difference, when you think about it, between mechanical growth on one hand and internal growth on the other. Mechanical growth is when you start throwing a bunch of bricks on a, onto a pile. And that pile of bricks might grow, but the bricks are still just bricks, right? The bricks are not becoming more complex. They're not changing. There's nothing happening to them. The bricks are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The bricks are not growing the way that a child grows or a flower grows. But internal, internal growth is much different. Think about the example that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. When you think deeply about that passage, it is very frightening. Paul is saying that you can have all kinds of mechanical growth and mechanical external growth like learning languages and knowing mysteries and gaining knowledge. But if you do not have love, you have what? Nothing. You can be extremely talented as an individual. You, you can be incredibly creative. But if you do not have love and kindness and patience, Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that this is what love is. If you don't have this, then you have nothing. So what is he saying? Again, I don't think he's saying you're not a Christian, but he is saying that you're not growing spiritually as God would desire it in you. You remember that very frightening passage? To, to me, it's, it's very frightening. In Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, Many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not, what, prophesy? And not just prophesy, but prophesy in your name, and in your name, not just prophesy, but drive out demons. And not only drive out demons and prophesy in your name, both of those, but perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, multidimensionally with that passage, it's about the relationship. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do. Even if you do it in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter. He does not know you. But at the same time, you can be involved in all of these different kinds of good works. You can be doing all kinds of good things. You can be helping the poor. But, but that is not the same thing as being the, in the kind of relationship that Christ calls you to be in. You can change a lot of people's life, but if your life has not been changed, then, then it's lost. Real Christian change has to happen on the inside. And so that change is gradual. It's inevitable. And it's internal, and it's symmetrical. Now, one of the things you notice when you look carefully at this passage out of Galatians 5 is that Paul uses a singular subject, but a plural predicate. And he does that with a purpose. 
It is a fruit, singular, that is all of these many things, plural. Paul, I think, in doing this, that it's fruit of the Spirit, which is all of these things. Paul is trying to show something really important. All of these things are really one thing. All of these things are really one thing. All of these things are the flower that blossoms internally in you through space and time. And all of these components of the fruit go together. I'll give you an example. Some of us might be gentle, very, very gentle, never hurt a flea, but we're not very faithful. Because faithfulness is about loyalty and faithfulness is about courage. And some people are just sweethearts by, by nature. It's just their temperament. We're sweet, but we're also a coward. A natural sweetness does not always go with courage and loyalty. Which means that at times you're too sweet and too gentle to confront someone. It's not the same thing as spiritual gentleness, where Jesus was both. He was gentle and compassionate, but at the same time he could challenge and confront people. He was the most sensitive man who ever lived, but could walk into the court of the Gentiles and see what looked like the, 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 the New York Stock Exchange with the people buying and selling and be so incensed with a righteous indignation that he makes a whip out of some cords and begins to turn over the tables and drive people out because that is not the kind of place that God wanted the court of the Gentiles to be where Gentiles could come and find God. He was gentle and compassionate, but at the same time, he could challenge and confront people. Another example, kindness and peace. Some people are just very kind-hearted folk. Always do something for you. Always ready to do a favor. They're always doing something kind for someone else. But they're not at peace. They're not at peace. And when you get below the surface just a little bit, what you see is anxiety and fear and worry. And maybe the kindness is just a way of dealing with the anxiety that comes from guilt. But the kindness is really just sort of a legalistic way of trying to deal with the guilt and to assuage the feelings of guilt because I'm doing all of these good things. You know, it may be loosely defined as kindness, but it's not the spiritual kindness that is at the same time at peace. And what about self-control and joy? Self-control and joy. The reason you get addicted to things and the reason you lose self-control is because you don't have real joy. The reason you get addicted, addicted to things and lose self-control is because you do not have real joy. Or, or sometimes we learn self-control through negative influences. Why do most guys not cry? Why do, most, why do most fellas not cry? It's because we were told that only girls cry, and because we wanted to be superior to girls, then we don't cry. And so in our superior attitude, we have gained this form of self-control. But that doesn't always work for us, does it? Sometimes you need to cry like Jesus in front of Lazarus' tomb in John chapter 11. Sometimes we are gentle and people come to us all the time because we are so accepting. But the reason we are so accepting 
and so, so accepting, and so accepting, is because we ourselves have absolutely no self-control, and we're always lapsing, and so we do not feel the right to challenge, and so we empathize. If we are to really conform to the image of Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, then it means that the Spirit brings about this gradual, internal, inevitable, and symmetrical change into our life. You see, all of these things are the fruit. That is the singular, the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits. You're not trying to pick one or two of these things you know, in your character list and your virtue list and then call it a day. All of these things are part of what it means to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's why cynicism and sarcasm are so wrong and so ugly in the heart of a believer. Those two are the products of pessimism and distrust and doubt and suspicion in the heart of a human. But if the Spirit of God is in you, then there will be change. And if these things are not a product of your faith after a really long time, and if you don't see any movement after a long time of walking with the Spirit, then you need to fly in the face of Jesus in repentance. It's because we're talking about the Spirit of God inside of you. The most powerful force that was able to create everything that we know is in you. And it becomes the source of power for you to blossom into a beauty. Jeff's going to lead us in a song right now, and maybe there's some ways that our church can minister to you. Some of our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. But you know, I think that you really have to do business with what it is that Paul is saying in this text. This text, just about more than any other text in an indirect way, of the indirect text, deals with the problem of legalism. You know, legalism is really about the facade, isn't it? Jesus, when He runs into the Pharisees, it's, it's all about doing the things that God desires. It's being obedient. But why is the obedience and why is that, that, uh, that, 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 that form of, of, of living ethically that is just about ticking off the commands that God... What, what is at the heart of that? Is it not to justify oneself before God and for God to be sort of coerced into giving us the life that we, we think we deserve. And when that life doesn't come, then why is it that we get mad? It's because we have done all of this stuff and God has fallen down on the job and God has not done He's not held up His end of the, of the, of the bargain. This fruit of the Spirit flies in the face of that kind of a Christian life understanding what it means to be a disciple. As a disciple, you have come to the realization that you have already been saved by grace. Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live and died the death that you should have died in order for you to have the life that He has. And because that is absolutely a truth that comes as a gift from God because of your faith in, that, in the power of Christ, you have an, an adoption and an inheritance that is incredible, and you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Have, you know, and we talk about the blessings that just roll on and on and on in life. And when, you, when we get our mind around what that really means as a disciple, then there is a whole new way of living that opens up for us. And when the adversity comes and the suffering comes, and it will come, 
then we're not knocked off balance and knocked off kilter and our legs are not knocked out from under us, but there's a buoyancy and there's a poise in our life because of the greatness of the power of God that has changed us. And we understand what love is and we can be kind. Not because it's a command, but because that's who we are. That's what we've been changed into in the image of Jesus, conformed to that image. And, and, and when people are ugly to us, or they say the kinds of things that we don't want to hear, we can continue to love them. All of a sudden, when Jesus says you are to, 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 to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you, all of a sudden that is, a, that, is, that is something that can happen in your life because that's the fruit that is blossoming. Or self-control. When every inch of you wants revenge. Self-control. And gentleness and faithfulness, and and the kind of relationships with other brothers and sisters that allows you, like Jesus, to love and to challenge and to confront and to serve and to fellowship and to go through this life experiencing growth in the conformity of the image of Jesus together. It's a completely different kind of a life that the Gospel calls us to. And if you need some help, in discovering how to do that better and some of the things that we've been challenged with tonight out of that text. During the singing of this next song, some of our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. We want you to come down and talk with them. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's counseling. Who knows what it is. But the opportunity to have those needs met is here. Let's stand and sing together. above Jean